0: And thanks for listening. My name's Eric Bonkowski, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and I'll be sharing a message from our Lord with us today. Do you ever feel like an imposter? Do you ever feel like a, a fake or a fraud? Do you ever feel worried that this is going to be the day that everybody else finds out? that you've been faking your way through life. What I'm describing has a name. It's called imposter syndrome. Many of you are probably familiar with it. I read an article about imposter syndrome this week, and I learned a few things. One is that the woman who uh, came up with the idea was from Southwest Virginia. And when this idea was developed about 50 years ago, it actually was called imposter phenomenon not imposter syndrome and those who came up with this idea regret that was called a syndrome rather than a phenomenon you may think this is just semantics but in their perspective if it's a phenomenon then it's an experience uh, of life in this world it's not a pathology it's not a disease And when we think about it as an experience, it makes a little more sense, because then it's something that we all deal with, right? We're not assigning some people to a syndrome and others not. We're just giving a name to what most all of us feel at some point, maybe at work, maybe in relationships. And for some of us, maybe even here in a place like church, I feel like an imposter, I think each one of us is looking for something in life that addresses that feeling. We want something bigger, something else, something deeper that will answer these questions that we have in our hearts, but also that we carry around with us in pretty much every room we enter. And today we're going to talk about this idea of feeling like an imposter as it comes to us in God's word. Here at City Church, we've been working our way through the early chapters of the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible. We've been looking specifically at the life of Moses, and we're going to continue that today in Exodus chapter 3. So we're going to read verses 11 through 22. If you have a Bible, open there now. These words are also printed in the worship guide, and you can follow along there if you'd like. Let's give this our attention because this is God's word for us. It says this, But Moses said to God, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father, you tell us in your word... That the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. May that enduring word now bring us truth and hope and joy and peace as we strive to receive this, your holy word, in faith. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one of the challenges when we're reading scripture is the challenge of remembering that the people who appear in the Bible are real people like you and me. Maybe especially, especially so with characters like Moses. Heroes, men and women who did fantastic things, who, who delivered the people of Israel. But they were real human people dealing with issues and questions and doubts, just like you. Because what we encounter here in Exodus 3, in many ways, is Moses' version of imposter phenomenon. Even though Moses, just a few verses earlier in chapter 3, had seen the burning bush, what Harrison described last week as this theophany, this appearance of God, this manifestation of God himself, the pre-incarnate Christ, in a bush, now just verses later, Moses is asking the question, but who am I? Who am I? And wondering, as he thinks about the role that he's been given, the calling of God on his life, he questions, but what am I to say when they ask me, who's sending me? You see, Moses is feeling like an impostor, both within himself and as he thinks about his potential audience, the people of Israel, that God has called him to lead. God has drawn close to Moses, appearing in the burden book, but he is racked with this existential question, who am I? I'm just a shepherd from Midian. And it's in response to Moses' doubt, it's in response to Moses feeling like an imposter, that God tells Moses his name. Essentially, what's happening here is, is God is saying to Moses, the important question isn't who you are. The important thing is who I am. I want you to think about that for a minute because I think just as it applies to Moses, it applies to us as well. We walk through life and this question is nagging us Who am I? And God wants to say in the midst of it, it's the wrong question Who am I? Who is God? Who is the Lord? Who is Yahweh? And so what we have, the heart of this passage in Exodus 3 is God giving to Moses and to Israel and by extension to us, he's giving us his name. He says, I am who I am. Scholars call this the the Tetragrammaton, which sounds like a transformer, but it's not. It just means four letters. It's four Hebrew letters. Yod, Yod, Heh, Vav, and Heh. So we kind of transliterate that as Y H W H, Yahweh. It's the name of God. And this name was so revered by Jews throughout time that whenever uh, they came across it while they were reading or while they were reciting scripture, they wouldn't even pronounce it. It was too holy for it even to cross their lips. And so, as they were reading, if they were reading this passage of Scripture, they wouldn't uh, say Yahweh. They would say Adonai, which translates into my Lord. Maybe you've heard that term used of God before. It means the same thing, Yahweh, Adonai. And then, it gets gets so complicated, they they took the vowels of Adonai, and then they placed those back on the consonants, Y-H-W-H, and they came up with another word that will be familiar to you, Jehovah another name for God. They had so much respect for these four letters, for this name that God gave to Moses, that they wouldn't even say it. And they came up with these other ways to communicate it. Yahweh, Adonai, Jehovah, the holy name of God. And so in our English Bibles today, You you may never have uh, noticed this before, but in a lot of English Bibles today, including the ESV, which we typically use, um, this word is translated as as Lord, but it's written in uh, all caps, but small all caps. So you'll come across the word Lord written in all caps, and that means Yahweh. That's the divine name that God gives to Moses and gives to Israel here in Exodus 3. Okay, well that's all some nice background, right? And the point of all of this is to, for you to, to appreciate just how holy and revered this name of God is. Remember, uh, last week we talked about the burning bush. What God is giving to Moses is the name equivalent of the burning bush. Holy, unapproachable, inexhaustible so Exodus 3 gives us these two different pictures of who God is but it's the same God it's the same point what does all of this mean though what meaning does it carry in our lives I want to explain a little bit about what this name means and trust me people have spent lots and lots of time explaining Yahweh explaining Exodus 3 I'm not going to go into all of the details I'm going to share two things that I think are really important for us to grasp, and then I'm going to apply it to our lives a little bit. First, the first thing, this is not a new name. This is is not a new name of God, as though Exodus 3 is like some big surprise, some big uh, reveal, you know, God's own gender reveal party. It's not that. That's not what's going on in Exodus three. It wouldn't make any sense given the context because remember the context of Moses, right? He's about to go to Israel and he wants to know on whose authority he's coming. He wants to establish his credibility, his street cred, as he returns to the people of Israel, right? And so he's gonna cite an authority that is recognizable to Israel. He's gonna cite a name that they would recognize. It's like if you are meeting someone for the first time, maybe especially if you're in in sales or something. Some of you work in sales, right? And and you have to cold call people. What do you do? You reach for some sort of connection. You do some sort of networking. Oh, I'm friends with this person and you're friends with them, right? And you hope you've picked someone that they like and trust. That's essentially what Moses is doing as he asks for God's name who should I say is sending me? And he says, Yahweh, I am. It's been God's name forever. It's not a new name. It's new in the way that it comes to Moses. But this is an old name. And and this is actually proven in Exodus 3 itself because this is not, in, in verse 14, it's not the first time that Yahweh shows up. It's there in verse two, it's there in verse four, it's there in verse seven. You can go back, check, you, can, you can check me on that. You'll see Lord in all small caps. Because this was the name that Israel knew for their God. So first of all, it's not a brand new name. God is essentially saying um, that I, I, am, I am the same God forever, all the way back in history and all the way forward in history. Okay, here's the second important part of this uh, divine name that God uses and reveals himself to Moses and to Israel. The second key part is that the real power of the name doesn't come in verse 14. It comes in the next verse, verse 15. And this is, um, you know, we think that, that all the power comes from this name Yahweh, from these four letters. But I had a a professor in seminary, an Old Testament professor, who made this point that it's really about verse 15, where God is pressing home the truth that he wants Moses to carry to the people of Israel. Because there, in verse 15, he says, tell them that I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You see, By citing these real people, these patriarchs, he's saying, I am the same God today as I was throughout the whole book of Genesis. All those stories of doubt and confusion and adversity and triumph, where I was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that's who I am. That's my name. You want to know who I am? You want to know the authority that is sending you? It's the God who has been faithful to people for generations that's my name. Why is all of this important? I think it's important because Yahweh, God's name, is not a theological abstraction. It's not a puzzle that we have to try to intellectually figure out and unwind. It's not an idea for us to grasp. The name of God is really the story of God in his relationship to his people across time. The name of God is really the love of God made manifest in the lives of his people. Let me try to illustrate this a little bit. One of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called Amistad. It came out in 1997, before many of you were born. And it's the story of a mutiny on a slave ship that had come from West Africa. And the freedom of these former slaves that as they fought for their freedom. Now, I'm not gonna tell you what movie movie studio made the movie because I heard how that went for Harrison last week. And I know just how tough a crowd this is. In Amistad, Anthony Hopkins is one of the lead uh, actors, and he plays John Quincy Adams. uh, He has already been president. He's now, I think, serving in Congress. And he is in this role of giving advice to um, a character played by Morgan Freeman, who, uh, along with some other people, is defending these former slaves who led the mutiny on the ship, the Amistad. And it's what advice John Quincy Adams gives to these young lawyers that I want to focus on. Here's what he says. He says, in the courtroom, whoever tells the best story wins. And then he says, asking about these slaves, what is their story, by the way? And Morgan Freeman's character at that point says, well, they're from West Africa. And Anthony Hopkins responds and says, no, what is their story? Mr. Judson, you're from Georgia. Does that pretty much sum up who you are? A Georgian? No. You're an ex-slave who's dedicated his life to abolition, encountered many hardships and obstacles along the way. That's your story. Then he says, again, about these slaves, you've told me what they are. They're Africans. What you haven't discovered is who they are. And the rest of the movie follows from there based on the advice of john quincy adams these lawyers discover who these slaves are and they tell a better story and work to win their freedom what i'm suggesting you today is that the divine name given to moses in exodus 3 doesn't tell us what god is It tells us who God is. It narrates his story of faithfulness across the generations to doubtful, faithless people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and you, and me. This name, this name, Yahweh, that's so revered and so holy that you can't approach it like the burning bush tells the story of God's faithfulness to his people. And it's that story, the story embedded in the name of Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's that story that will sustain Moses in the work that he's called to do. His calling to be the rescuer of God's people It's the name that will sustain the collective story of Israel as well as they are called out of Egypt, as they are delivered from the mighty hand of Pharaoh and as they wander for 40 years in the desert, they will keep going back, not to some abstract intellectual idea of what Yahweh means, they will go back again and again to the ways that God had been faithful in the past. How he was with lost and lonely people. And how he had promised never to leave them. That's what the divine name means. That's what's wrapped up in this name, Yahweh. All right. So, one more step. I was out of town last weekend, as some of you know. My wife Sarah and I uh, went to church up in Massachusetts. It's always fun for a pastor to go to a different church we get in the car we're driving back to our hotel and uh sarah said something like it was a pretty good sermon but i think you would have probably talked a little bit more about jesus i was glad she said that because she knows that i'm kind of a one-trick pony when it comes to preaching and she knows that there's always this turn in the messages where we have to talk about Jesus. And it's the same thing today. I've talked a lot about Yahweh. But you see, where we sit today is different from Moses. We're in a different place. Today, we know God's name even more fully than Moses did. Even more fully than Israel did. We have seen the fullness of Jesus Christ. And he tells a better story than even Yahweh does. We haven't come to a burning bush in the desert. We have come to the word of God made flesh, made human. Looking at us with human eyes, speaking to us with the gentle human words of Jesus Christ. We truly have experienced God drawing close to his people. We have come, you and I, as we encounter Jesus through the New Testament, through all that he did, we have encountered a gentle Savior, a rescuer with a strong arm ready to deliver us. We have come to the embodiment of a God who sees us and knows us to the very core. You see, in Jesus, we have come to the climax of the story. And and notice the ways that Jesus, as we read about him in the New Testament, he uh, calls upon this earlier story. Even in the passage that Ben read for us from John 8, he says, before Abraham was, I am. It's an illusion, an intentional illusion to the divine name. But he's saying, I fulfill this. And he goes on to say it again and again. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of heaven. I am the living water. All that promise of God. His promise to be with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His promise of faithfulness. His promise to never leave us or forsake us. It is fulfilled in Jesus. And we know that name. So today, friends, draw strength. Not just from the divine name Yahweh as it was revealed to Moses. Draw strength from the name of Jesus Christ. The name that Paul tells us is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. For as the book of Acts tells us and as Paul tells us in Romans, there is salvation in no other name than the name of Jesus. Jesus, this name again that isn't a theological abstraction, it is a name that tells the story of God's relationship with a wandering people. People like you, In me so what do you do friends when you feel like an imposter when the doubts start bubbling up or the doubts start coming in wave after wave don't look at yourself look to God look to Jesus call upon his name and remember the story of faithfulness that that name represents. Remember the story of God's love for you because that is the only thing that can deal with this imposter phenomenon, this gap, this existential gap that we all feel. Some of you may know that over the last six months, I've started volunteering as a young, li- as a young life leader at um, Maggie Walker High School where my daughter goes to school. And it's been a, a great case study in imposter syndrome. <laughs> Nothing like a 46-year-old walking up to a high school and feeling like, man, I don't belong here, do I? And all those doubts that we face at work and in relationships, maybe even here at church, They all come bubbling up. But there's been a difference for me being a leader now as opposed to 25 years ago. I know the name of Jesus. I know the story of God's love so much better than I did 25 years ago. And if I get ghosted by a teenager, if a 14 year old won't reply to my text message, that's okay. Because God has promised to be with me. And his love will never grow cold. Let's pray. Father, what we've been talking about today, if we have the courage to admit it, affects all of us. And so it's so good to be reminded that the gospel is available to all of us as well. To answer our doubts, to cover our shame, to atone for our guilt, And to restore to our lives and our hearts a purpose that's so much bigger than ourselves father i pray today that we would put our trust in the name of jesus knowing what a beautiful name it is and that in that name jesus the story of your love for a wayward people is told And so we pray all of this today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen.